Uh, hello. 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 How's it going? Good. Pretty good. That sounds great. This week, guys, uh, no Wendy's bacon ad on IMDb. So Dang I can it. stay fo- Well, no, but I can stay focused during oh, the episode now. Okay. Okay, All I could think about was bacon last time. And here's the thing. I'm not even like a uh, like a, uh, a bacon purist like a lot of people are. People are like, oh, bacon's the greatest thing in the world. I'm a sausage. I like sausage better than bacon in most cases. Yeah. I'm just bacon not a huge fan of either. Well, yeah, but you like to make your bacon like freaking as hard and crispy and gross as possible. Just crispy. The not be- like really, really crispy. The best way to have bacon is like just cooked enough so you're not making yourself sick. Ew. You want You want it floppy. You want that fat barely rendered. Call it good. That's the best way to cook bacon. No. Yep. 100%. And um, let me tell you this right now. Uh, just substitute spam for bacon in almost any case, and you're going to have an equally quality dish. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so I'm just saying good job to the Wendy's uh, marketing department for making even me think about bacon so much that I was distracted during the intro of the show last week. But I guess Bacon Fest is over. I don't know. You're still thinking about it. All I'm saying, guys, is August 19th, spicy nuggets are coming back this is going to be the new reminder uh similar to how we reminded you about midsummer for several months until august 19th (laughs) you're getting the reminder about the wendy's spicy nuggets because they're coming back and it's going to be amazing yeah yeah (laughs) cool i can't believe i never ate them anyway becca you love chicken nuggets i can't believe you're not more excited about this well, I've never had their spicy chicken nuggets. Hmm. I've never had them either. What is what? What happened? Do they not have them down in in little middle of nowhere towns in Utah? Don't ask me. Um, there is a Wendy's. Thank you very much. Yeah, but do they have <laughs> spicy nuggets? I don't know. Well, not right now. Well, did they have spicy <laughs> nuggets? I don't know. I didn't eat them. I'm just trying to decide if it's on Wendy's or if it's on you that you didn't eat them. It's probably on me. I don't know why Wendy's wouldn't have it. Hello and welcome <laughs> to, what are we, episode 38? 39? I'm not keeping track. I think it's 39. Hang on, let's just double check here. Episode um 39. Guys, we're almost, wow. we're almost to 40. Next week is a milestone. What? We're going to have to do like Space Jam or something. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, for episode 50, we'll do Space Jam. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them, the only podcast on the internet where we watch a movie and then talk about it. Uh, There may be other podcasts where other people watch movies and then talk about them, but this is the only one where we do it. My name is Andrew Westensko. I am the host of this here podcast, joined at my right hand in life and in all things by Becca. Hello. I already said hi, so... Well, I'm saying hi again. To me or to the audience? To the audience. Okay. So before you were just talking to me. Sure. It's pretty rude. Get on a podcast and don't talk to the audience. Everybody could hear it. So I'm saying hi to anyone who can hear me. Anyone who hello. missed it the first time. Hello. <laughs> and at my left by Sid. Hello. I'm sorry your introduction isn't as fancy. It's okay. I'm not the one who's married to you. So. That's true. Yeah. You got to keep me happy. Yeah. That's true. 
It's all about Becca. When yeah, when Becca and I exchanged our wedding vows, she looked me in the eyes and she said to me, I will love you for my entire life. Only on the condition that if you are ever introducing me and somebody else, that I get the fancier introduction. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I so, said. So, Sid, it's nothing against you. No, it's I okay. just have to keep my marriage happy. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's worth it. I think it is worth it, too. It's a pretty easy condition to meet. <laughs> so, a lot of the people have to do a lot harder things to keep their wife happy. I am, you know... It is unfortunate, though, that I did stumble basically into the one situation where that constraint would ever come into effect, and that's hosting a podcast. <laughs> that's so, true. Go me. But really, go Becca. Yes, thank go you. Becca. Go thank Becca. Thank you. should just be my cheerleading podcast where you just praise me the entire time. That's why you said you don't like people chanting. That's a good point. You don't have to chant. You can just say it. Let me just pull up the last scene from The Witch and we'll just like ad lib <laughs> nice things about you over top we're just of it. No thank and you. we're just yeah. going to like Photoshop you into the middle oh, of the fire. No. <laughs> <laughs> you start just floating up into the sky. No, thank you. I will be talking a little bit about The Witch later on because I watched a movie very heavily related to it and okay. it was interesting. Spoilers for the end of the episode. Today, we watched, just now actually, we just watched the ninth film by Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time, in Hollywood. The dot 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 is very pronounced, (laughs) so I felt the need to wait for it. Uh, This movie stars uh, Brad Pitt's uh, nearly back to Fight Club quality body that he is mm-hmm. well done don't we know seriously it. 20 <laughs> what are we like 25 years later and the man looks that similar to how he did in fight club we love it well done brad bradley uh and also leonardo dicaprio uh margot robbie is here who else is here a lot of people are here um who was the guy I got to see the full cast here. Who's the guy that played Roman Polanski? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't think he's really. Emil Hirsch is JC Ring, which mm. was amazing. <laughs> um, geez. Who knows, man? Roman Polanski. Rafal. Is it weird? Tr- oh, what the crap? He's Polish. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't say his last name. Zawierucha? Zawierucha, probably. That sounds right. He's a little Polish man. You're the only one out of the three of us that could probably get that close to right. I don't speak Polish, though. So, unfortunately, it is similar to Russian, though. So, there you go. Um, this movie is. Um, I was going to make a joke, but it would technically be spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> it's about, I don't know. If you like Quentin Tarantino, you're going to like it. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Like, at this point, I feel like I don't need to say much, like, in the way of spoiler-free. Because if you like Quentin Tarantino, you're already going to go see it. And if yeah. you don't, you're already not. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like you're in or you're out at this point with Quentin Tarantino. I feel like this one's not converting anybody. But those of us who enjoy his work, 
will enjoy it. And that's all the spoilers you're going to get. Uh, there's a handful of things to definitely talk about here. Um, so I think, do you guys have anything you want to say spoiler free? Um, general no. overall, it was good. It was bad. It was good. Mm-hmm. Go see it. <laughs> if you're into Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all of our spoiler free thoughts today on Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And we will now be entering the spoiler zone in approximately five, four, three, two, one. The spoiler zone. I wish I could say that in, uh, what's his name? Rob. We have him the Twilight Zone. What is his name? I don't know. You guys didn't watch The Twilight Zone? No. That's really unfortunate. I did, but I don't know his name. He's a freaking genius. Um, Twilight Zone is great. I've also heard the Jordan Peele one is very good. I've seen a few episodes. It's okay. Yeah. All right. Well, but we're not here to talk about that. We're not here to talk about we're that. Um, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the uh, movie form of the adage that... Uh, the real treasure was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> uh, because it truly was. Um, so we're just going to... Here's how this is going to go down, guys. We're going to talk about this. We're going to do some hot takes. We're going to do some discussion. Sid's going to regale us with the best of IMDb movie trivia. I think she just found a good one. I did. I see your face right now. It's lighting up. <laughs> um at which point we will give our ratings out of 10 and place this movie on the Weston scale, the only definitive way of rating movies on a scale of 1 to 10. Uh, then we will go into other topics, other movies that we've watched. Uh, we've got a handful of things to talk about there. So, I watched a lot of good movies this week. So, that'll be fun. But we're going to get right into it. Um, we're going to do some hot takes. Don't burn yourself on these hot takes. I'm going to start, as always, with Becca. Yay. Becca, how hot is your hot take? Um, I don't know. It's not super hot. It's just kind of warm, I think. Are you bringing a lukewarm hot take to my podcast? <laughs> I, I am, yeah. Jeez, uh, that's like showing up to like a 4th of July barbecue with like green beans. Yep. <laughs> I'm bringing green better beans better than nothing to <laughs> okay. your barbecue. It is better than nothing, but is it? Well, okay, but it's not bad because... It's not like, like when we talk about hot takes, like you could have a bad opinion of a movie and it still be a hot take. That's true. So it doesn't mean that my opinion or thoughts on the movie are bad. Just that like the scale is like lukewarm. Oh, well, let's hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really like this movie. It was definitely a ride. And I kind of feel like I have to sit with it a little bit longer. You don't get that chance. I know. I understand that. But um, I don't I don't even know what to say about it, which is why my hot take is lukewarm. I want to hear your guys' hot takes, and I just want to talk about it. <laughs> so. All right. Yeah. I very much enjoyed this movie. It was definitely a ride. And let's talk about it. Cool. Sid, how hot is your hot take? Uh, mine's probably warmer. I don't know how much warmer. Um, to be totally honest, I was a little disappointed. Okay. 
I I don't know what it was. Like I tried not to hype it up and I but I think I was just so excited for a new Quentin Tarantino and like it was my first one I've ever seen in a theater and it I don't know. Like I did I really liked it, but I think in comparison to some of his other ones, I didn't love it as much. Um there were still like parts that I really enjoyed. I can't quite pin down what it was that was a little disappointing for me, but I don't know. I did really like it, but it just not as much as his others. Okay. So that's fair. Uh, my hot take is, uh, similarly hottish. Maybe like, a like we were talking about before, like with the little bubbles are showing up at the bottom of the water right now, but it's okay. not quite boiling. Right. Yeah. Uh, this movie was meandering and it was really funny and it was hyper indulgent and very meta and I don't feel like any of those things hurt it as much as they should in concept. <laughs> Uh, because it is Tarantino and I think he's the only one that could get away with being this self-indulgent and this self-referential. Um, because it's like, it was so weird because it almost felt like Quentin Tarantino, the director was a character in this movie. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how to explain it any better than that. Like, I just, I saw him everywhere and in everything. And it was like he, it was like he wanted me to see him everywhere and in everything. Like it was just, it was so, like I said, self-referential and meta that it was hard not to. And I feel like he's one of the only people that could get away with doing something like that. But I feel like that is going to be very much a... uh I guess a a sticking point for a lot of people who maybe like Tarantino for different reasons than I do. Because like I, I enjoy Tarantino films a lot or the ones that I've seen. I'm admittedly not a Tarantino scholar, but I also just love the character of Quentin Tarantino so much. I think he's just uh, like watching interviews with him and watching him talk and people talking about him and everything. I think it's just, it's a really fun little cult of personality that he's built up And this movie really leaned into that in a way that I don't know any other director could have. So aside from the fact that it was just a, a pretty good movie, like you get a lot more out of it. Um, I guess if you're willing to lean into that with him. So I don't know that, I don't know that disappointed is the word that I would use. I think that my expectations were subverted. I don't, I, I don't know that I had a clear picture in my mind of what I thought this movie was going to be, but it wasn't this. Mm-hmm. So. That is my hot take. Also, this movie is absurd. <laughs> it's just strange. It really is. And I don't know. Let's talk about 
let's maybe talk about the structure a little bit because it's really weird yeah (laughs) it is weird it's it, it almost it there's just like all these like vaguely connected little vignettes that happen just almost independent of each other it seems like so you have these characters but like It's almost like what if they weren't so well made and so entertaining to watch, I have a hard time figuring out what any one scene added to the overall narrative of the movie. Yeah. That's what I was thinking on the way here too. Like I try to think back and I'm like, oh, what did the fight between Brad Pitt and Bruce Lee (laughs) add to the story? It was just great. It was just great, right? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, but by the same token, what did almost an entire episode of this, or like, you know, like a third of this Western movie that Leonardo DiCaprio is in, what did that add to the story? It's like, it was just awesome to watch. And it gets down to it, and I'm like, what did these guys taking down the Manson murderers add to the story? Literally nothing. Like no, no, there, there almost is no overarching narrative. Yeah, like yeah. literally the, the, the treasure is the friends we made along the way. Like it's <laughs> the wackiest, weirdest take on friendship slash midlife crisis that I've ever seen. <laughs> so I don't know. It's like, it's hard to even say what the overall, narrative is yeah that's why i feel like like i i just like don't know what to say about it or like i need it to sit more because i'm like what did we just watch like what just happened but i enjoyed every minute of the three hours or whatever that we were in the theater but it was weird (laughs) it was super weird and it wasn't weird in like a like a over oh, beer in weird way. It was just like genuinely odd. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Like that's the that's the first thing that springs to mind that I because that's like it, it really is. It's one of the most talented filmmakers that I think the film industry has ever seen operating just absolutely at the top of his game. And not letting anybody at any point ever tell him no. Mm-hmm. Like, it, that's what it is. Is it just, it just, it feels like, like the, just an intensely complete Tarantino vision from start to finish. Like, just nobody, it feels like nobody ever said, hey, maybe we shouldn't do that. Or like, what's the point of this? Or, why are we having Brad Pitt's character go visit the Manson ranch? Because nothing happens. (laughs) Yeah. But like everything feels so confident, like it's supposed to happen that way and it's supposed to be put together that way. So when you're watching it, you're like, Oh yes, of course this is happening. But wait, why is this happening? Well, and that was my other point is what that really speaks to is the thing that I think, and it it feels weird to say this, that the strongest point in this movie was the editing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the editing carried this movie and it, it just in a really, I guess, refreshing way. Like to see as aggressive of editing as they did to see it just work. It's like, like Adam McKay, take notes, dude. You know what I mean? And I don't, I don't dislike Adam McKay's uh-huh. editing style. Like I liked vice. Don't kill me. Um, but like, this is what he was trying to do done more successfully. Mm-hmm. And like, there was sometimes a narrator, yeah. Oh, yeah, but sometimes not like there was like 40 minutes of the film that were like a documentary. Yeah. And then it just stopped. And then it just wasn't anymore. Like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Nobody at any point told him no, but for some reason it works. Yeah. And I think it's just because he's such a good filmmaker. Like, he's just so good at making movies that he can literally, it's like, it's, I equate it to this. Have you guys watched the Dave Chappelle stand-ups on Netflix? No. You should, because they're incredible. Okay. Um, But on, I think it's his first Netflix special, um, he goes off, he does this whole bit about how he's the the greatest stand-up comedian to have ever lived. And he's like, I am so good at what I do that I'm going to give you the punchline right now. And then I'm going to tell you the joke. And even knowing the punchline through the entire joke, you're going to laugh your asses off when I'm done with it. And he just like pulls it off. And I, I equate it to that. Just like that level of confidence in being good at what you're doing. Yeah. Because it's kind of like. I mean, we talked about it a little bit when we did Django Unchained, where this white guy can get away with writing so many N-words in a Mm -hmm. script. Like, he can, like, he's so good that he's almost untouchable. Yeah. There's, like, we're going to make so much money with this. This movie's going to be great. Have at it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm grateful for it. And he can get Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie and Al Pacino. Like... (laughs) (laughs) When the when the cast started listing off at the beginning, I was like, "What on earth, man?" Like, it was like an Emil Hirsch and Dakota Fanning, and I was like, "Where are you pulling these people out of?" Like, I would love to just like see the contacts app on Quentin Tarantino's phone. I mean, I'm sure it's not any better than any other Hollywood person. Like, I'm sure George Clooney has all of those people in his contacts as well. But I don't know. It was it, it's it. it that's what I mean when I say like it's just really successfully very meta and I feel like my enjoyment of the movie really came a lot out of just how meta it is and allowed me to like take a step back from the actual movie I was watching and uh, like my favorite part about the entire movie was just like thinking about how it was made and just again how confident the filmmaking is it's i don't know it's it's like it's it's electrifying to watch it's good stuff yes <laughs> i just i totally agree like it's so captivating to watch and like i said i sat there and watched the entire movie it did not feel like it was as long as it was nope 
and I enjoyed every second of it, even though it was so, I mean, it wasn't even that it was confusing. It was just like all over the place, but meant to be all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, like it shouldn't work, but it does. And I just, I don't even know how to talk about it. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's also, it's just a lot of smart decisions on his part. He also just happened to find like some of the most effortlessly charismatic people on the face of the planet Mm -hmm. and just put them in front of a camera together. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. You could stick Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt in like a concrete box and I would watch that for hours. (laughs) Like they are, they're just so, and Maybe effortlessly is the wrong word because that would not give them credit for the work that they have put in to be as charismatic as they are. Mm-hmm. Like maybe some of it comes naturally, but like that's hard work. Like they were so entertaining to watch, whether they were together or in the scenes that they were apart. Just so entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. Like how does Brad Pitt make a 15 minute scene about feeding his dog amazing? <laughs> It's just, I don't know. And their relationship was so endearing and so yeah. fun to watch too. Like you mentioned earlier that like one of the themes is friendship. Mm-hmm. Like that's a huge theme and basically just what it's about, I guess. And I loved watching their friendship play out on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of expecting like kind of a lot in, I guess, where there's like kind of a more famous person and part of the duo is like they take advantage of the other one and they get the recognition. Um, so I was expecting it to kind of go that way. And I'm glad that it didn't, um, because you're just so invested in these two as a friendship and like throughout the whole movie, you're just like, like you're sad when like, um, DiCaprio tells, tells, um, Brad Pitt that he can't keep him on anymore. And Mm -hmm. like, they're basically like not going to hang out anymore. And, yeah, they're you just get really um, attached to them, both as separate characters and together. Yeah, and again, like just all of their performances were just—I don't know if like how much they were coached, or I mean, like you got to give some credit to Tarantino for. Uh, I you know the writing and 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 coaching these performances out of them and stuff, but like just every time they were on screen, which was, I mean, one of the two of them was in almost every single scene, mm-hmm. and they just oh they just carry it so well. But then even when they're together, like their chemistry is so good mm-hmm. that they don't overpower one another. Like they know when, like when one when basically when they're together, Leo has the spotlight. And, like, Brad Pitt is smart enough to recognize that and to pull back a little bit. But even then, like, he's just a a quieter dude. So even in his scenes when he's alone, he's reserved. But, I mean, but, but again, he's just so charismatic. Like, watching him punch the crap out of one of the Manson family. Like, (laughs) what on earth? (laughs) just the way that whole scene just kind of fell apart the ending scene you mean oh i was referring to the changing of the tire yeah oh that part oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. okay oh we'll get to the end don't worry (laughs) 
Ugh. Yeah. And can we give a shout out as well to hair and makeup? Oh my gosh. The way they made Brad Pitt's body look, like all the scars and just like how leathery he was. Mm-hmm. Like just incredible job on makeup there. That's the end of that. I mean, a lot of the makeup too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Really good. And uh, I guess it's, it's easier when you're like impersonating somebody, but like Margot Robbie's wardrobe and even like Brad Pitt's wardrobe, like what awesome choices, the, the Hawaiian shirts all over the place yeah. and mm-hmm. man. And uh, super impressive as well that like, I've talked about this before on the podcast, even that my issue with Leo is that he's not a chameleon. Like I, when I'm watching him in a role, I tend to not as much see his character as much as I see Leo, mm-hmm. but both of them just like vanished into yeah. these characters in this movie. And I don't know who gets all the credit there, whether it's them or Tarantino or the editors or who I'm sure it's a mix of everything, but like what an impressive thing to do to take two of the biggest stars on the planet and just remove my entire interpretation of them as like real life people especially when they are playing movie stars yeah Yeah, now that you mention it i don't think i ever like looked at them as actors yeah like the only part that i like because like when you watch movies and like you see someone you recognize you remember what else they're in i didn't think about that at all until brad pitt took his shirt off until he took his shirt off i started thinking about fight club (laughs) so um but still to only think about another movie once when seeing both of these incredible actors, that's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was one part where I was like thinking of them as actors, but I think it was in a good way because this is very meta. And it was when, um, Leo was forgetting his lines and he was freaking out in his, uh, camper and, like oh, throwing yeah. things and everything. What a great I don't know. scene. It was so good. And I was just like imagining it. Like it was just like funny and ironic. Cause like these are lines that he had to memorize about. How memorizing he couldn't lines. Memorize lines. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was just fun to watch and just like think about acting and them as actors. Yeah. And I don't know. I think, I think that like my true hot take and summation of this movie is that it shouldn't work, but it does. Like, that's my, like, I just keep thinking of other things and I'm like, that shouldn't work and that shouldn't work and that shouldn't work. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I think one of my favorite sequences in the entire film was when they were filming uh, that scene between him and Timothy Oliphant. And there's that moment where he's delivering his line and the camera kind of rotates around the table and then he forgets his line. So the camera rotates back (laughs) and then comes back again. Like that whole scene I thought was just so good. And like they could have chosen to do that in like the old timey camera or like the old, like the old timey film. And there's plenty of this movie that essentially was a movie. Like you were watching a movie in a movie. (laughs) Yeah. And they could have chosen to do that, but they didn't for some reason. Mm-hmm. And now, like, I was thinking about it. I was like, why isn't Are we, like, just watching the Megan? And, like, yeah. I just came back and I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter because it's fun to watch yeah. and it's entertaining. Like, 
Well, and we already said this, but like it works because of the confidence that it was made with. Mm-hmm. Like if you're confident in what you're doing, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like people will think that what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And so because he had so much confidence in making this, it just works even though it shouldn't. Yeah. Well, and even like the Tarantinoisms, like the freaking just close up shots of feet all over the place. There's so many. It's you could just like see Quentin Tarantino behind the camera just like winking at the audience. Yeah. Like y'all want feet, I'll give you feet. <laughs> Cuz there's I mean for, there is zero reason for Sharon Tate to take her boots off while she's at the movie theater and put her feet up except for Tarantino to have feet in the foreground and same thing the hippie girl gets into brad pitt's car and the first thing she does she doesn't even just put him on the dash she literally smushes her feet up against the windshield like it's so gross (laughs) but it's just you can just feel tarantino behind the camera just laughing his head off because you know that he thinks it's hilarious yeah (laughs) and like all the weird close-up shots of butts like did you guys notice that not really. Not really. Yeah, like, there was a ton of, like, really low cast shots where they'd have, like, either, like, Margot Robbie or somebody's butt just taking up, like, half the screen. And the action was happening in the other half. But, like, just, like, a solid... There was a lot of butt shots in this movie. I really don't remember that. Me either. I don't know. Maybe you're too focused on the feet. Yeah, I'm a feet girl. You're too focused on the butt. Maybe so. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sitting in a theater and Margot Robbie's butt is taking up half the screen. Yeah, I'm probably going to notice. <laughs> well, I didn't. Well, you're not a straight man. It's fair. Margot Robbie's butt is much less important to you than it is to me. That's fair. Okay, <laughs> you have to choose a butt. Margot Robbie's or whatever her name from The Matrix. Oh, leather butt. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Just had to make sure you were staying on brand. I am staying on brand. If you maybe if you wrapped Margot Robbie's butt in leather, we'd be having a different conversation. Oh my gosh! But the leather just instantly brings up a few points. Okay, Margot Robbie's butt in leather. Becca's butt. Oh, Becca's, oh. Becca's butt. Absolutely. Okay, good. Just gotta make sure. Yeah. Yes. Make sure everything's okay. Well, real life always beats film, so. Yeah. Good job remembering your vows. <laughs> Praise me always. I made no. That's in your vows too. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kidding. No, I made no vow to. I vow to only love your butt and not Margot Robbie's wrapped yes. in leather. Yes. I didn't make that vow. We didn't make any vows. Time to renew your vows. <laughs> I will not make that vow. <laughs> <laughs> there's just, there's seven billion butts out there i can't promise to only think that's that one looks good billion cheeks yeah wow, wow. that's a lot I'm saying. of cheeks i'm just saying it's hard to choose out of a sample yeah. size of seven billion i cannot make the promise that i will only think one looks good I'm just you being don't have to here. only think one looks good just only have one favorite oh yeah absolutely good glad we cleared that up yep <laughs> did i pass the butt quiz yes i am your therapist and great healthy marriage Thank you. Uh, $200. For me? Yikes. Oh, I pay. I thought you were going to give me $200. No, I'm your therapist. You pay me. I didn't make this appointment. I'm not paying. 
I literally can't pay. <laughs> I don't have two hundred dollars. I'm the breadwinner of this family. <laughs> That's true. Um, now tell me how you feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so then, out of the many slightly interconnected vignettes, excluding the end, because I know that's everybody's actual favorite. What was your favorite? Mine was when Brad Pitt got to the, what was it, like the Sway, whatever? Oh. Like the, what the commune? It? Yeah, the, the Manson Ranch. Yeah. I don't know. I, don't, I just love that. I think part of it is, like I've talked about before, like I love true crime. Mm-hmm. And I don't know a whole lot about the Manson family or whatever, but like I've heard a little bit. So it was like kind of exciting like to like, oh, that's that's squeaky from and like kind of try and yeah. remember these people. And it was also just like a really interesting scene. There's just like all these crazy hippies just like watching him and him like trying to figure out exactly what's going on. And it was just, I don't know. It was just a really fun scene, like pick up little clues here and there. Yeah. Well, and I think that. I, I I agree with you. That's also my favorite. So I'll I'll jump onto that, and then we'll get Becca's favorite. Okay. Is it different? I'll make it different. Yeah. You don't have to. Well, it's different. Okay. <laughs> um. Again, I think it's just the uh, respect that I have for Tarantino as a filmmaker that like I had no clue what was going to happen. I was like, is Brad Pitt literally just going to get murdered here? Yeah. Like. Is he going to go on a spree and take out the Manson family right now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and then he comes back and his tire is slashed. And there's that scene where Tex is, or where the girl rides away on the horse to go get Tex. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's watching the horse and I'm like, he's not paying attention. This dude's going to kill him with a lug wrench. Mm. I, I literally full on expected just out of the side of the frame, the dude to come in and just cave in Brad Pitt's skull. Yeah. I was like, he's going to die right here. Yeah. Um, and then even like when she gets Tex and brings him back, like he's already driving away. Like literally just nothing happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just, I don't know. It he gets in so there and the George is alive and he's blind mm-hmm. and he's letting the people stay. Like it's, it's not fine, but like it's above board. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like he's, he, he's not dead. They didn't murder him. Mm-hmm. And so he goes back out and it's just like it, it it opens up so many possibilities and then just nothing happens but it's still so engrossing to watch and it still feels satisfying at the end of the sequence even though literally nothing happens <laughs> yeah because i was expecting like watching it from the trailers and um like a little bit into the scene i was like is he gonna join the manson family that was my other possibility is i was like he's gonna i was like he's because Tarantino does the whole revisionist history thing, yeah. right? Like we know Inglorious Bastards thing is the best example of that. Yeah. Right? Well, you're saying that that didn't happen? No, it didn't. They didn't they Adolf didn't. Hitler didn't die in a movie theater? With every other top Nazi, no. <sighs> no wonder why I didn't do so well in history. Because <laughs> you showed I'm basing everything. You show, up to, you show up to history class and you're like, I watched Inglorious Bastards. I know how World War II went. <laughs> no like so i was like he can do anything like mm-hmm. i was like is he gonna have brad pitt murder sharon tate like is that what we're doing here mm-hmm. but nope just nothing happens yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then the next scene they're like 
Six months later, we're in yeah. Italy. I'm like, what the crap is even <laughs> happening here? Yeah, I felt like I was always expecting something to happen. Yeah, because I would say this is probably one of his more tame movies. Where oh, I mean, yeah. like when it's violent, it's violent, but there's not that much violence. Mm-hmm. So like throughout most of the movie, you're just waiting for like someone to just get shot in the face. Yeah. Or, um, so yeah, he's really like kind of holding out on you. So you're expecting it in an intense scene and you don't get it. And I guess that's what I mean when I say that I feel like Quentin Tarantino was a character in this movie because I could just, I could just feel him laughing at us the entire time because he has built this, uh, this, like I said, this cult of personality around himself. And I could just feel him being like, nope, you're not getting what you want. You know what I mean? And even the way it was advertised, like the ninth film from Quentin Tarantino, Mm -hmm. like he is, he has been injecting himself as much as possible into this movie from very, when it very first started to be marketed Mm -hmm. and you could just feel his presence through the entire thing. And that was, I don't know. I, I thought it was really interesting. Becca, what was your favorite scene? Yes. Um, my favorite scene was between um rick and the little girl just oh like my that whole gosh sequence. that was so good just all of it was so good and that's where well and leonardo dicaprio did such a good job acting i know we already mentioned that mm-hmm. but like just the way that he would go from like acting in this western film and then like breaking down and crying as soon as the scene cuts yeah and like i don't know it just was really really good and i loved that little girl yeah and i think i don't know i i do before we get to the end i do want to talk a little bit as well about just like again like friendship i think is is a huge theme in this and i think it's i also i think the other biggest theme is just like the different ways that people deal with their uh i guess as uh rick's book would put it their increasing uselessness you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and you see kind of the grace with which uh brad pitt's character handles it versus the total breakdown that leo has yeah that like cliff has been feeling it for a long time like we see that it's been years since he was a full-time stuntman and he uh you know he's been fading out of relevancy what relevancy he had for years but he's just like still there for his friend and then you see leonardo dicaprio just really breaking down over it i don't know it's just interesting it's an interesting contrast Mm -hmm. so that's that thought and then it just got like more meta with him like he's reading a western book about a guy who is having a midlife crisis yeah. and becoming more useless while he's becoming more useless as a Western actor mm-hmm. acting as a, mm-hmm. like, too meta for my brain to handle. <laughs> I want to see, I want to see the films that Roman Polanski made in this universe because I think, I think the assumption is, is that if Sharon Tate is not murdered, then Roman Polanski doesn't become a pedophile. I can only hope so. And we get more acceptable Roman Polanski movies to watch. Yeah. 
it does feel like he's 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 out right like the pianist was kind of the last time that yeah he's out anybody gave much. him some leeway right yeah and that won an academy award yes it did and he did not get to receive it because he is hiding out overseas because well wasn't it what did i i thought just i thought just adrian brody won in that did it win other things uh he won best director really yeah that's gross we 2002 academy what were you doing won three oscars jeez it really says here in the in the IMDb notes, Roman Polanski was not present at the award ceremony, being a fugitive from the U.S. justice system. Since fleeing the country in 1978, presenter Harrison Ford accepted the award on his behalf. Really? Academy? You guys did that? You just said... Oh, he can't make it to pick it up because... Can't make it here because he has sex with kids. But we'll still give it to him. Jeez. Yay. So I guess there he's are still, worse things. He's still than coming Book. out with movies. None of them are getting any recognition, though. He directed The Ghostwriter. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that movie? I remember seeing trailers. You and McGregor. Is that? Uh, I'm thinking of the right one, right? Oh, uh, that one's got Clive Owen and. Yeah, you and McGregor. Oh, okay. I never saw. Huh? It. I saw that. I wish I hadn't now. <laughs> I am allowed to like any uh, pre-mid-1970s Roman Polanski. Yeah, Chinatown's good. I'm allowed to like Chinatown. I'm allowed to like Rosemary's Baby. And that's it. That's, oh, and before you can watch before that. You can, you can like any film that came out before he was a pedophile. I think that's fair, right? I guess. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Rosemary's Baby is just really, really good. <laughs> Curse you for being talented, Roman Polanski, and also for being a pedophile. Curse you for that more than being talented. You suck. I hate you. Oh, man. Jeez, where does he live? Uh, I don't know. Probably Poland. This dude's got a crazy life, by the way. If you ever, anybody out there, I'm not going to go into it now, but if you, uh, if you ever have a chance, look into Roman Polanski's life because dude had an absolutely insane life, like fleeing from the Soviet Union and all that stuff. Jeez. Um,. Yeah, so it looks like anything pre-Chinatown we're allowed to like. Okay, so we're good. Mm-hmm. Jeez. They freaking gave him everything for the pianist. Everything. He won the uh, Palme d'Or at Cannes. Jeez. Can we just not give pedophiles awards? Like That'd be nice. Roman Polanski, you're out. Woody Allen, you're out. Kevin Spacey's already done. Yep. Let's just keep this up. No more no more pedophiles getting famous and rich. Time's up, everybody. Time's up. Me too. Yes. But for kids. <laughs> yes. Jeffrey Epstein's in prison. Who? Jeffrey Epstein. You missed out on that? Ran 
like a huge he's not in the film industry mm. ran like a huge uh child sex trafficking ring Ew. implicates like a ton of people in politics bill clinton oh. the president uh prince andrew all very uh close associates of jeffrey epstein who is now in prison yes. and uh nearly succeeded in a very large air quotes suicide attempt this week so let's just wow. squeeze that guy till he talks and let's get all the pedophiles out that's my that's my stand right now and i'm taking it and i'm fine with that i am against pedophiles good to know yes do we have to, i i too am against pedophiles. <laughs> me too i just want to make that clear here's the thing we had never said it on air before so people could wonder oh my gosh uh i am against pedophiles i'm against racism homophobia uh transphobia xenophobia just list all of them i gotta cover my assets here i'm I'm not against all phobias, but any phobias involving groups of people, I am against. Yes, agreed. <laughs> There's too much to say, so I'll just agree with you. Arachnophobia, that's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, thalassophobia, totally okay. What's that? Uh, fear of open water. Oh, that's me. Yeah. <gasps> Uh, there's a really cool subreddit called Thalassophobia. I don't want to look at it. It's just like pictures of the deep ocean. <laughs> I don't want to see it. I it's like really that. cool. I don't oh, it's super satisfying, but it's horrifying at the same oh, time. I bet. Uh, so we saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> and. Yes. Um, it is It is a really tragic story, though. Like, I'm not saying that having your wife murdered is an excuse to become a pedophile, but. Roman Polanski really just kept getting hit, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> and he was, like, they're not exaggerating. He was on top of the world in 69. But then his wife got murdered. Jeez. Contrary to what happens in this movie. And I was really, I was honestly kind of concerned, like, when they were ramping up to it. Yeah. Because, again, I'm I'm a big true crime buff. Mm-hmm. So, like, seeing all the members of the Manson family and seeing Tex and Squeaky and everything, I was like, this is cool. Yeah. But, like, as they were coming up, to, because it's, like intensely gruesome yeah how it's bad they were killed yeah like well and especially with her being eight and a half months pregnant like oh yeah like that's just added to i guess uh, uh, if you have a soft stomach alert like they cut the baby out of her (sighs) while she was alive like it's it's bad yeah so i was like i was like tarantino does you know, he does hyper-violence really well. He does. But it's all stylized. And, like, none of the violence ever takes itself seriously. Like, you watch the end of Django Unchained, like, I think mm-hmm. is the best example. Or even the end of Inglorious Bastards. Like, just, like, these intensely violent interactions. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but this, like, you don't... It's so gruesome and so untenable that, like... In my head, like, as we were ramping up to it, I was like, how is he going to pull this off? Like, how can you possibly make a movie, uh, like, where the Manson murders happen in Tarantino's style and even be remotely as respectful as you should be about this? Because it's just, it's so awful what happened. Mm -hmm. And maybe he had a similar fear. And so his decision was to just not. Yeah, yeah I remember 
I think we were talking about it on a past episode and I was worried. I was like, how is he going to handle this? Because it's just, it's, it really wasn't that long ago in no. comparison to the other movies that he's done. Like Inglorious Bastards is probably his more recent one, like other than like Pulp Fiction or anything like that. But that was still yeah. 70 years ago. Well, and it's, it's such a, like if you look at something like Inglorious Bastards though, like they're killing Nazis. Yeah. Nobody cares. Yeah, like exactly. be as gruesome as you want with that. Like this was a beloved Hollywood star yeah. and her friends needlessly murdered by some crazy freaking hippies. Yeah. So I think he handled it fairly well. I mean, in, oh, yeah. in not having it happen. Yeah, he just Which would have been the optimal thing. But Well, yeah. <laughs> I think we can all say that we would have preferred that this happen. To what actually happened. Yes. Um, yeah. And what a freaking... I don't know. He was just... He was so smart in the way that he made this movie. Because even down to that, like the entire thing was based around like him setting you up for something. And then not having it happen. So I should have guessed that he was just going to not have the murders happen. Yeah. Based on the fact that every single time that I thought something was going to happen in this movie, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, see, I was expecting like Rick Dolan and Cliff Booth to come in and like save them, but like I didn't expect them to just completely veer right and not even yeah. care about Sharon Tate anymore. Well, I guess uh, Tarantino said at the very, 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 very beginning of the press cycle, like a year or more ago when this movie was first announced, he said it's not a movie about the Manson murders. Mm. He said, yes, it takes place in, you know, the summer of 1969. Yes, Charles Manson is in it. Yes, the Manson family is in it. It is not about the Manson murders. He said it right from the start. And it's not. Nope, because they don't have it. It's so awesome. I don't know. <laughs> like, and of course, it like not only does it not happen, they break into the house while Brad Pitt is on acid. <laughs> laughing at Tex and he's got yeah. his fingers in a gun. Oh my god. <laughs> because it's so awesome because at the same time as subverting our expectations Tarantino takes the time to make fun of the Manson family because uh, he comes in and he's like I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's work and Tex and uh, Brad Pitt just starts cracking up at how stupid that is. <laughs> it's like no I think it was something dumber than that. <laughs> it was Rex or something. <laughs> Oh man! And then the bomb goes off. Oh my gosh! He sicks his dog. Yes, that was amazing. And then oh my it was so good. Caves in a girl's face with oh a can of dog food. <laughs> I, I should have, I, I should have been ready. I should have been ready. But how can you be? I you can't. I was. How no. could you expect that? That was like almost midsummer level. Just like her face gets caved in, and then oh, he grabs yeah. the other girl, and he yeah. just smacks. Yeah, that was <laughs> really hard to watch. <laughs> just didn't stop smacking her head oh into things. Gosh. And then, <laughs> like, it's 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 a, it's a similar cathartic experience to the end of Inglorious Bastards, though, yeah. because like there you're like, and I guess even the people get burned alive. Like, yeah, but you're just like yes. they're like burning Nazis. Yeah. And this one, like you're just watching him beat the crap out of the Manson family, yeah. which is incredible. 
Oh, man. And then it's just so chaotic, but so well made. Yeah. And the one girl just pulls out the flamethrower. <laughs> Which, why would he have that? He wouldn't keep, like... Actors try and keep props from their movies I all the guess, time. I guess, but I feel like a flamethrower isn't something that you just be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. You can keep this. Can we do something about that heat? <laughs> <laughs> it's a flamethrower. Well, and I think... Like that, aside from being an awesome moment, it's it's like that's the completion of uh, Rick's character arc, right? He yeah. feels worse and worse and worse about himself. And then there's the scene where, you know, he... So I guess things do connect. The overarching theme is friendship and Rick's, I guess, transition through the beginning of middle age, right? Essentially his midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. And he thinks he's a bad actor and he thinks he can't cut it. And that agent at the very beginning straight up tells him like, you're done. You're not a leading man anymore. Like Mm -hmm. you're, you're a heavy as they call it, I guess. And he has that scene and this little girl who he had this kind of weird, but also really touching interaction with tells him that's the best acting she's ever seen. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he goes to Italy and he stars in all these movies and he gets a hot wife and then he comes back and he essentially lives this power fantasy of burning a bad guy alive. Yeah. And also, can we talk about, again, if we're talking, if we're going self-referential here, like there's literally a scene where they burn Nazis with a (laughs) flamethrower. And he's a bounty hunter in his show. Like... There's lots of feet. Lots of feet. Lots of feet. Also, Uma Thurman's daughter is in it. Oh, for real? Yeah, she was um, She was the one who played Robin in Stranger Things, the one who took off with the oh, car. Oh, yeah. I didn't watch Stranger Things. You wouldn't? That's good. Anyway, that's another connection. Also, Rummer Willis, Bruce Willis's daughter. She's in this? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. John Travolta's son in it as well, just to complete the... You got John Travolta's son and Samuel Jackson's kid as well, just a second uh, generation Pulp Fiction. I don't know, but let's say they are. All right. That's, I'm going on the record. I think I need to rewatch Pulp Fiction. I didn't like it when I saw it, so I haven't rewatched it. Yeah, I don't. Maybe I, I mean, should. it's good, but it, I like, I don't think it's his best. Yeah. I need to, there's, there's a few. I need to see Reservoir Dogs. I need to see Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. I need to see Hateful Eight. Death Proof. Yeah. So really, I haven't seen very many Quentin Tarantino movies, but I like the ones I have seen. Yeah. We should watch one tonight. We don't have time tonight. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Meh. We already watched a movie today. We can watch another one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's this satisfying arc of Leo realizing, and it's, it, I don't know, it is a satisfying arc because it's him realizing, like, maybe I'm not done. Mm-hmm. And then he gets this moment at the end where he gets invited up to go hang out with Sharon Tate and her friends. Yeah. And like, that's where the movie ends. Like, I like to think that he got on to Roman Polanski's next movie, made yeah. some money, was able to keep Cliff on. I like to think it's a happy ending. Me too. Which you don't like. I liked it in this one. That's good. it felt earned. Yeah. yeah. They earned a happy ending by killing a bunch of people in the Manson family. Yeah. 
And it was like the second that they kicked down that door, I was like, oh, geez, they're just straight up not going to do these murders. Because yeah. like up to then, like everything else was accurate. Yeah. I don't know if they got yelled at by the neighbor for the loud car, but. Well, that's when the narrator stopped too. Like. Yeah, it's true. The narrator stopped and then it just went off the rails. Yeah. Also, the aim and the arm on that guy to really just take her out with a can of dog food. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they don't make cans like they used to. I'm sure you couldn't do that today. Let's try it out. I prefer not to. I'll go grab a can of beans. And just throw it at my face? Yes. I, I don't want to do that. Live on the podcast. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Cave in my face. Thank yes. you. That's... Please don't do that. Fine. I won't. Thank you. And what a good boy, the dog. Oh, I love oh, that I dog. Know. Such a good boy. So much. Girl. Was it, was it a girl? Yeah, it was Brandy. Brandy. You named the boy Brandy. It's a dog. No, but he, he, he said, it she. yeah. Oh, what I, a good girl. I love yeah. that dog. I know. I like that dog, too. Uh, so good. And like, just like... Scenes with the dog oh, yeah. licking his lips. They're so cute. Oh my gosh. I want a puppy. I want a dog. I want a dog so bad. But it's not meant to be right now. Not yet. Not yet. I don't know. This movie just overall was... Again, I wouldn't use the word disappointed at all because it just subverted my expectations. It was incredibly satisfying. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed every second of it. And it did not feel like it was three hours long. I mean, it's two hours and 40 minutes. But we stayed till the lights came up. Like yeah. we watched the entire two hours and forty minutes. <laughs> so, I don't know. I was very, I was very, I was, in, I was satisfied with it. I thought it was, it was, it did what I wanted it to do. Mm-hmm. So while it subverted my expectations, it did also meet them. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, that's two movies in two weeks that I was very excited for that met. Or exceeded my expectations. Good job, Ari Aster. Congratulations. Good news for 2019. Good job, Quentin Tarantino. Let's hope so, man. This has been a dull year for art so far. We didn't really have any early year really good movies. We had Endgame. Music this year has been atrocious. Yeah. Apart from The National and Billie Eilish. Mm-hmm. I would have to agree. That's all we've gotten this year. We had Vampire Weekend, but even that, I've kind of fallen off on a little bit. Mm-hmm. I listened to it a lot when it first came out, but it's just been a rough year for art. But then we had Midsummer, and we have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and we have Billie Eilish to carry us through. Yes. <laughs> um, anything else? I don't think nope. so. I don't know what else I can say about this movie. Yeah. All right. We'll start formulating. We're going to have Sid give us the best of IMDb movie trivia. She read it so you don't have to. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to give our final ratings out of 10. What do we got? Um, okay, so the part where the Tate party is entering the, the restaurant towards the end and Sharon says something about what's going on at the Dirty Movie Theater. Um, they said they have premieres for the Dirty Movie. Um, the theater is still in existence, but it is now called The New Beverly and it is owned by Quentin Tarantino. Hey. hey Um quentin tarantino worked on this for five years it originally started as a novel and then he realized that it would just work much better as a screenplay he writes books i guess so i don't know um and also tarantino considers this one probably his most personal 
and he equates it to his Roma. So, mm. yeah. I can see that, honestly. Yeah. It received a seven-minute standing ovation at cons. Um, throughout the movie, Margot Robbie wears some of Sharon Tate's actual jewelry. Wow. Wow. Um, let's see. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio undertook a strict workout um, in order to play a convincing action star, giving up pasta dessert and doing 100 push-ups a day. Wow. Yep. The original cut was four hours and 20 minutes. I want to oh see it. Gosh. I want to see it. These, <laughs> these original cut trivias bug the crap out of me because I just want to see them. When Ari Aster is like, oh yeah, my original cut of Midsummer was four hours long. I'm like, give me that cut. <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm saying give me both cuts. Give me the final cut. I want to see your vision. Yeah. And I guess... I. I like I said, this movie really felt like nobody told him no. So I'm sure that he cut it down. I yeah. still want to see the four hour long cut. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the film's premiere, um, the scene where Brad Pitt takes his shirt off, um, there it drew many gasps and spontaneous applause in the audience. Absolutely, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And the, um, the trivia that I reacted to very strongly before him... The guy who plays Charles Manson in this is going to play Charles Manson in Mindhunter. Oh, that's actually awesome. Wow. I'm so excited for that. He's going to do a good job, I think. He's going to do great. You mean the four seconds that Charles Manson's on the screen? I mean, he's really creepy when he's on screen, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Even that. Like, they bring Charles Manson in, and then he's just never shown again. Yeah. Which is true. Um, yeah. Seriously. Um, go look into the Manson murders if you're interested because they are horrific, but very, very fascinating. Yes. Is that our trivia? Yes, that is our trivia. Waka waka trivia said. Waka waka. <laughs> All right, Becca, your final thoughts and rating out of 10 for Quentin okay. Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in um, Hollywood. Um, I don't think I have anything more to add to the conversation than what we've already said. Um, I do think it's a great movie and I enjoyed it. I still feel a bit unsure about it, but I liked it a lot. Um, I'm going to give it an eight, just a solid 8.0. All right. Um, so I will revise and say that as we talked about it, I'm not necessarily disappointed. Um, but I think I just had high expectations and yeah my expectations were subverted because thinking back like like i would still watch this it's still a good movie um do i think it's like on par with like inglorious bastards maybe not but i still did really like it um so i'm gonna give this an 8.3 all right folks you heard it here first um yeah, I, I don't know. I loved this movie. I loved every second of it. I think it was fantastically made. Um, is it on par with Inglorious Bastards? No, because not very many movies are. There's only a handful of movies in the world that are perfect tens, and Inglorious Bastards is one of them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but obviously, for a lot of reasons, I enjoyed this movie. I think it will be one as well that will benefit a lot from second, third, and continued viewings. I think there'll be more things to catch. 
Um, I do think it's a, a very hot take from Quentin Tarantino himself calling this his most personal film in his Roma. I think that that's a really funny uh, descriptor uh, because this is probably as close to something like Roma that he could ever make. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not a knock against him. It's what he would allow himself to make. If he wanted to sit down and make Roma, I'm sure he could. Yeah. Uh, not as well because that movie's it's been incredible done. and Corbin is a freaking genius. But um, yeah. I don't know. I loved this movie. Um, I'm going to give it a, a 9.0. A 9 even. Nice. All right. Um, so 8.0, 8.3. Uh, eight. Maybe an 8.6 or 8.7. Yeah, 8.7 probably. Oops. An 8.7 on the Weston scale puts it in some great... Oh, guys, we really screwed up here. That rates it the same as Us. This is definitely a better movie than Us. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, puts it just below Birdman and Sicario, which is fine. Yeah. Some yeah. movies are better than others, and mm-hmm. that's the life we live. This concludes our discussion of Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, we're going to talk about some other topics now, movies that we've watched. Um, but if this is where you leave us, we understand. Um, we would love to hear from you. You can write in at contact at wewatchpodcast.com or you can find us on any social media platform at wewatchpodcast. Um, we got tweeted at today. What? Yeah. So I'm going to reply to that tweet. Um, and yes, we're going to get into some other topics. Some of the things that we have been watching this week since the last time we recorded. Who wants to go first? Um, I'll go first. So the only movie that I have watched in the past week, I honestly forgot that I watched it, but I watched Balls of Fury. Really? Yeah. All right. I don't know why. That's I, random. I was just on Showtime and it popped up and I was like, oh, okay. Um, it's terrible, but it was fun. <laughs> um, yeah, it was fun for sure. Um, I have nothing else to say about that. Um, and I've been rewatching Haunting of Hill House. Mm, so good. And that show is incredible. And I love it. But it's really frustrating because Austin keeps guessing all of the all of the plot points. Ugh. And it's pissing me off so no. bad. Is he getting it right? He's getting some of them right. Yikes. Yeah. So it's not the guessing, it's the getting it right that's pissing yeah. you off. Yeah. Becca does that too. I'm really good it's at so it. Nice. She's really good at it. And I I try so hard to find movies and things that she can't guess which is why yeah. watching westworld was so satisfying because that is impossible to predict uh, yeah it's it's so it's so frustrating because i didn't pick up on anything the first time i saw it and even this is the third time i'm watching it and he's picking up on stuff i never noticed and i feel stupid mm, that's why i really want to watch it again and we're going to oh it's so good talking about you 31 days of october that's what we really need to count down to I'm it's excited. Only a couple months away. We're, we got some good stuff on deck this year. I'm excited to release the calendar later in kind of mid-September. We'll release the calendar. Anyway, that's pretty much all I've been watching. It's been a busy week. We haven't really watched a ton either. We've mostly been watching MasterChef. <laughs> yeah, MasterChef is really addicting. We started at the very beginning. Yeah, we just started season one. <laughs> 
So that'll keep us busy for a while. <laughs> but I finally made Andrew watch start watching Harry Potter again with me. So yeah, we How's just watched the first one. Love those. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite Harry Potter movie? Oh, that's really tough. Uh, six is the best book and movie. Really? Yep. I only when I well when I first started reading Harry Potter, I only read six and seven because the rest of my family was reading them as they were coming out, and that's when I got into them. But since then, I've read all of them. I do really like six. I think the fourth one is my favorite movie. Third one's my favorite movie. Third one's really. Ah, uh, cool. you love freaking Alfonso. you freaking Alfonso purist. No, I've loved that one since before I even knew it was him because it's spooky. It's very spooky. scary, and it's good. Yeah. We love you, Alfonso. We do love you, Alfonso. Love you so much. Alfonso Cuaron, if you ever want to come on the podcast, more than welcome. Please do. Oh, my gosh. We would love to have you on the podcast. I know we've invited a lot of people on the podcast, but we really want you. Alfonso Cuaron, if you ever want to come on the podcast, you can with zero restrictions. I'm talking anything you want. Any movie you want to do, Alfonso Cuaron, if you come on the podcast, we will do that movie. You want to do... Bohemian Rhapsody, I will grip my teeth and I will do it for you. Alfonso Cuaron, Green Book. if you want us to watch Green Book, <laughs> we will do it for you. But I'd rather want to watch the true best picture of 2018. Ooh, have Alfonso Cuaron on the podcast to watch Roma and then talk about it. Oh my God, would be amazing. That'd be nerve wracking. Oh, could you imagine? Do you like, hey, let me just dissect your life real quick, Alfonso. <laughs> Gosh. Could ask any question you want. We could. I would wear my Roma hat. <laughs> and I would just like, oh, this old thing? <laughs> I didn't even know you were going to be here, Alfonso. You directed that? That's crazy. <laughs> All right. And then we watched Andre Rublev. Finally. Finally, we watched it. For the uninitiated of you out there. Um, that is Andre Tarkovsky's second feature-length picture. It is about the uh, life and times of one of the more famous Russian iconographers um, for the even further uninitiated. An iconographer is someone who paints churches and paints religious scenes in Russian Orthodox churches. Well, not specifically Russian Orthodox. They paint religious images in churches, and his art is just look it up if, if nothing else it's fantastic and uh whether you're religious or not it's uh, incredible art um andre Rublev is the movie about him uh very little is known about him so there is a lot of dramatic and artistic liberties taken um but it is about um the I, I guess it's about maintaining your integrity, staying true to yourself as an artist, um, while living in a system that suppresses that individuality, which is something Tarkovsky could relate to, uh, working directly under the censors of the Soviet Union. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, this movie was very uh, initially heavily censored, uh, not allowed to be released. Uh, it was made in 66 and it finally got released outside of Russia in the seventies. So, wow. But it's a fantastic movie. It's very long and in black and white and in Russian. 
So there's some Italian at the end. You gotta switch I it up. I still don't know Italian. <laughs> <laughs> so I did fall asleep a couple times, but I think I could watch it a second time and enjoy it a lot more. And I really liked the message. I mean, it's super artsy, but it was super. I had a really good message, and I, I think I enjoyed it. It just is hard to get through. Yeah, it's like one of the blueprint films for art house cinema. So like, it's very artsy, and it's very Soviet, which means that it's very dour and slow. And it's Tarkovsky, which means that it's slow, but it's incredible, and it's so well made and so well acted, and the message of it is great. I'd love to talk about it more at some point, but. That's probably not going to happen because we try and maintain an audience for our podcast and nobody's (laughs) going to want to watch it. (laughs) So we'll do a foreign film at some point. Yeah. We'll ease you guys all into it. We're not just going to jump you right into Tarkovsky. We'll be like underground. Underground would be so tight to do. We could have a good episode about underground. You guys want to learn about the uh, history of Yugoslavia? Watch underground. It's great. It's good. And it's really funny too. It's just a great movie. Um, so that's what Becca and I watched together. I watched a handful of movies by myself because I had a lot of alone time this week. Aww. Yeah, it's pretty sad. <laughs> oh, but I got to watch movies, so it was actually all right. Um, I watched, I'm not sure how to say it, Haxon? Hoxon? It is a movie from 1922. Whoa. It's a silent film about witches. And it's Which is why I didn't watch it with him. Which is why you didn't watch it. Which uh, but it's presented in like a documentary format. So it's like it's a silent film. So it's like the scene is interspersed with like cards of text, mm-hmm. but it's like explaining what's going on in the scene. So it's like it's like presented as a documentary, mm-hmm. but it's funny and it's weird <laughs> and it's really entertaining. Um, fully admit i watched it because it's getting a blu-ray release on criterion in october and i was like this sounds interesting so i watched it and it was interesting and it was funny watching it like made in 1922 and then seeing something like the witch and like and it's not like it invented these things like the the whole movie was based on you know manuscripts from the 16th and 17th century of witch hunts and Mm -hmm. all these things but like seeing how much something like the witch is really influenced by actual history mm-hmm. with its mysticism added in, but basically like how people interpret it. So like the black Sabbath at the end where they all get naked and dance around the fire and float up. Like that wasn't just artistic Liberty. Like that's what people said actually happened with witches and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. It was really interesting. I liked it. If you're uh, it is a little bit difficult to get through cause it's like two hours long and silent and it's not even in black and white because it's before black and white even. It's like it's like the sepia. <laughs> but it's really good. Um, I watched Personal Shopper. Ooh, what'd you think? Have you seen it? I've No, I've heard of it. I've heard good and bad things. I enjoyed it and then I enjoyed it more thinking about it later. Okay. It's kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, there's several... Uh, Hang on, I'm going to sneeze here. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bless you. Jeez. That was really embarrassing. That was embarrassing. You're in, off the podcast. <laughs> in a very dissimilar way to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there are a lot of uh, 
disconnected threads running at once, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not done as well as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so it's very confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, it can't decide if it's a horror movie or not. It can't decide if it's a supernatural movie or not. Uh, but Kristen Stewart is incredible in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is an entertaining watch. Okay. And reading about it later and reading some theories and some things that I missed and didn't quite pick up on, maybe because I'm dense, I don't know. Um, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense and I really like that. So I liked it more after and I would be interested in watching it again. Okay. If only because she is just engrossing. She's so good. She gets a bad rap. Yeah. I like her. And I want to continue to see what she does in her career. This mm. is the first time that I've seen her in like a dramatic role. Mm. And... I still think that Robert Pattinson is the more maligned one just because of how gosh darn freaking talented he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she definitely doesn't deserve the reputation she gets. Mm-mm. And then I watched First Reformed. Mm. What'd you think? Uh, that movie was intense. Yeah. Did, have you seen it? Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> that was one I watched because I didn't know if Becca would be interested in it. And as soon as it was over, I was like, crap, I should have just watched that with Becca mm-hmm. because you would love it. Yeah, I well, think then she let's would. watch it. So I don't want to say too much about it, but if you haven't seen First Reformed... It's spectacular. Ethan Hawke is mind-blowing. Um, and it's got a very prescient message for the end of times. Yes. It'll stress you out. It will stress you out. It'll stress you out so hard. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> uh, but no, you'll really like it. Um, and those were the things that I watched. I was very pleased with my movie-going experiences this week. I saw some, I saw some great movies. I just want to keep watching movies forever. <laughs> Newsflash, I like to watch movies. Seriously? I do. Oh my gosh, me too. You should wow. start a podcast. Maybe I should. Maybe I should like <laughs> get uh, my wife and one of her friends and we could just like sit around and talk about movies on a podcast. Like Where are you going to find people who want to talk about movies though? It's hmm. a good question. Maybe I'll just like uh, force artsy films onto my wife until she likes them i mean i'll yeah. talk about movies my favorite movie is um probably the notebook or batman and robin dude um as long as one of their topics uh patrick <laughs> H- patrick h willems did a video this week uh-huh. uh defending the joel schumacher batmans i need to watch and why movie. they're actually not bad I need to watch those immediately. It's it's a really good video. It's like a half hour long. Okay. But he does, he's on this like weird, Patrick H. Williams, for those of you who don't know, is one of the more interesting uh, movie related YouTubers that is active today. Um, I came into him on his dissection of the Avengers, but I've since watched a lot of his back catalog. I think that uh, Patrick H. Williams, Lessons from the Screenplay, and Nerdwriter are probably the, and nerd writer gets all over the place but he does some movie stuff i think those three are the most interesting uh movie related mm-hmm. youtube content um on youtube and when chris Tuckman does his like movie breakdowns he's really good uh but he mostly does reviews so if you want like interpretations and stuff but patrick h williams has been on this weird kick lately where he takes like movies that he considers to be maligned and defends why they are actually better than you think they are mm-hmm. So he did one on the original Men in Black. Mm-hmm. He did one on The Last Jedi. Uh, and now he's done the Joel Schumacher Batmans, which are Batman Forever and uh, uh, Batman and Robin. Mm. 
and it was a really, it was a really good video. I I always thought that they were too harshly judged, but he explains why they are too harshly judged. Okay. I always assumed it was just because of nostalgia, but he basically takes a look back and is like, "No, you guys, comic book fans just kind of suck sometimes." It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> um, but also, a large part of his argument is based on the idea that like they have aged really well. Oh, okay. that they are better now than they were when they were made. Yeah, I can see that. And his reasoning for it is really interesting. I think that he he gets into uh, the kind of the psychology of movie going in a really interesting way. I don't know. It's a very good video. Patrick H. Willems on YouTube. One, like I said, he's he's probably the best one making movie related content on YouTube right now. Yeah. Uh, good dude. I think. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, is there anything else? That's I it. So. All right, folks. Oh, I thought you were holding up your no. pointer finger. No, you're giving me a thumbs, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Well, we did it, guys. Um, who knows what we'll do next week? We'll do a movie, and then we'll talk about it. Because that's what we do on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, if you want to get in contact with us, we highly encourage it. Uh, email us. Contact at wewatchpodcast.com. Uh, you can also find us on all of the major social medias uh, under the handle at movie or at we Watch Podcast. We changed it. It was Movies We Watch. Now it's We Watch Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are at We Watch Podcast on everything. I realized I didn't actually check to see if anybody emailed us, so we're gonna see. Um, as I log into the email, uh, negative. No emails this week. Come on, peeps! Please email us. <laughs> um, we do have some listener suggestions. That were given to me in person that we'll okay. go over after this. Okay. But yeah. Uh, we thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. Um, my name is Andrew. I'm Becca. I'm Sid. We love you. And we'll catch you next time. See ya. Bye.